Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Today's 100th episode, this train will be picking up a few passengers along the way. So grab your ticket, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and that episode starts now. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train Hang on for the ride. You are listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith, and I am picking up passengers today. This is my 100th episode, and for me, that's an epic accomplishment. I never thought I'd do 100 episodes of podcasting. And the first passenger I'm picking up is on the line with me right now. My good friend, and he calls me his friend as well too, the one and only, the legendary Coach Steve Martin. Coach Martin, Happy New Year. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Uh, I haven't been called a legend, so that's a first for me. So you caught me off guard this early morning, but uh, doing good, man. Uh, you know, excited to uh, start this new year in 2021 the right way with a positive outlook on things. Exactly. And I know, and this is probably the hardest way to start with the podcast, I know that the results we were looking for in the state championship is not the results we were looking for. But at the end of the day, and I know you've had time to reflect, the one thing you could take from it is this right here. We made it through the season. With all the ups and downs, the – Speed bumps, as I would like to call them, the hiccups, games being postponed, rescheduled, games being literally rescheduled on the fly where teams had to play different teams that weren't even on the schedule. Just to be able to make it through a season where it looked like there wasn't going to be a season, there had to be a sigh of relief. Yeah, no, absolutely. After reflecting on the season and and what a long eight months, ten months this has been from March, you know, from, you know, everybody basically stay getting on lockdown to where we are now. It's just been a long, uh, exhausting ride. And, you know, I'm so proud of our community and proud of our kids over at Northwest. And, you know, for that matter, in the state of Kansas and, and especially Wichita, that, you know, there's a group of people that banded together to ensure the safety of our kids. And, you know, we gave our kids an outlet. And that's what it was all back for in August was to give our kids a chance to uh, give an outlet for our kids to, um, you know, just have some relief and uh, to be able to have a season was was epic. You know, looking back, are we are we uh, disappointed we didn't win it? Absolutely. I think everybody who's a competitor would be disappointed when you lose your last game. But you know, as you reflect on things and you evaluate yourself as a coach, there's more than winning those rings and uh, that bigger plaque. Um, you know. Uh, when you look at it, I think what uh, the definition of coach is and 
you know, depending on where you are in, in life, uh, means a lot different to other people. And for us to be able to give our kids the, the opportunity and show them some life skills and uh, fighting for what they believe in and, and being able to do it in a diplomatic, positive way, I think is something that our kids can, can take with them for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I told those guys after we lost the state championship game, I'm so excited to see where this group of kids are in 10, 20 years because I think by the adversity that our kids have been shown, they're going to rise out of the ashes and it's going to be something very, very special to see what they do. All right. Now, I have to ask you this question because I remember texting you one day and you happened to have been in Lawrence, Kansas. And you were watching Iowa State versus KU. Or shall I say you were watching Brees Hall versus <laughs> KU. And the funny, yeah. thing, the funny thing is before, this was back in like 2017, I was on my way to Minneapolis to visit my daughter, stopped at a... uh convenience store in the state of Iowa and bought a ball cap and of all the ones I've seen for some reason that Iowa State Cyclones cap stood out and I wear it proudly but now I have more reason to wear it because I'm like well you know we got a Wichita product playing for them what was that feeling like being at that game to watch one of your star pupils well I mean the amount of pride that you know, we have for him and, and a lot of our kids, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can look back on and you kind of get a little teary eyed when you, when you're there in person and you see him, it's, uh, it's something special. You think you have a, um, a chance to mold kids. And I, I think Brees would say, uh, the relationship that me and have, me and him have is a special one. And, you know, that's just with all our players. And so, you know, it was funny the other day because, you know, Marcus, uh, down at Oklahoma even, you know, I saw him walking on the sidelines of their uh, uh, their Cotton Bowl game against Florida. And you just get a self-pride of, of that. You get a, just a sliver of a chance to be around some kids that are just wholesome, great kids before athletes. And, you know, the sense of pride that, you know, I was there to watch Brees and stuff. Um you know, is a is a fraction of of just exactly what high school sports are about. It's it's not always about getting that scholarship, but it's bringing out the potential of kids. and And I think Brees would say that. You know, I think that's what we were able to do with Brees is showing that he can be something special. and And that's what we try to bring out in our kids is that you know, if they put their minds to it, anything is achievable. And Brees is just a small fraction, I think, of the kids that we've been able to reach. But you know, the amount of pride that we have, you know, it's fun sitting here as a family. We've watched, you know, a lot of Iowa State games, more Iowa State games than, than I've ever watched in, in, in my lifetime. And, you know, you, you all of a sudden get a get a bandwagon, you know, so to speak, where you're following the team now instead of just your, uh, your kids. And, you know, in saying that, for some reason, I, I've had a liking. It's it's kind of like the teams that don't fare so well in the Big 12, you kind of wish they would do good or they had a glimmer of success, you want them to do good, like KU during the man Geno era, and they've struggled since then. But Iowa State was always that one team. I'm like, I would love to see them do good because even in some of their down years, they find a way to beat their 
Big Brother, Iowa. And then they would get that one signature win in the conference. But to see them putting it all together, and I've even heard even some local talk show hosts talk about they're not sold on Campbell as the coach for Iowa State. But who else would do the job that he's doing and being able to get this program going in the right direction? Yes, they split with OU, but Iowa State, I think they're on solid ground. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. How do you feel about that? I mean, if you even had a chance, if you could go drink a cup of coffee with Coach Campbell, you would see why they are so special in the supporting cast of coaches that he has put in that program. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he is the right guy for the job at Iowa State, you know, and, you know, you can talk about looking sports writers and you can do all that other stuff, but, you know, when you are in it as a coach, and you listen to a guy who's actually, I think Coach Campbell just turned 38. So I'm a year older than Coach Campbell. Wow. And we always joke about that when we talk. But to have that sense of leading all these young men from 19 to 22-year-olds, and those guys, if you would talk to Brees, if you would talk to the Hutchinsons, the Brock Purdy's of the world over there in Iowa State, the Mike Rose's, they would literally go to war for Coach Campbell, and not only just because he's their coach, but I think those guys see him as a father figure. And when I mean father figure, not that he would replace their dads, but just a guy that generally cares about people and shows you how you want to raise young men and, and treat people and your spouse. But, you know, I like him to the point where I will always be a Matt Campbell friend, not Matt Campbell fan no matter where he goes. And the reason is because of how he treats people. Um, you know, when I was able to sit down with him, he can, him and coach Nate Shieldhouse, um, uh, Casey Rockers legend and Illinois all American was recruiting Brees and, and Brees had already committed. And I can't remember the playoff game. It might've been the second or third round. They had an off week and, you know, they wanted to come down and make sure that Brees was a hundred percent, you know, they just want to stop him, have an in-home visit and stuff. But, him and LaRonda, and, you know, I remember him sitting there and spending 30 minutes with me in the locker room, and we're talking about our game plan, you know, and, and he was kind of asking me why we do certain things and how we do certain things. He doesn't – he feels that he can learn from from everybody. And, you know, when I had other coaches in the building, um, the only other guy that has really impressed me with recruiting – is Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Those two guys, him and Matt Campbell, have been huge in my eyes of, of really treating people the right way. Larry Johnson knew and Matt Campbell know, and those are two successful names in the college football business right now, but they know that it starts with being people, person, and relationships. And I think that the reason why Matt Campbell fits so good at Iowa State is Iowa State is just like Kansas State. Bill Snyder, when Bill Snyder came in, did a lot of stuff relationship-wise in the state of Kansas, and then they're at the university, at the Kansas State University, and that big turnaround. And you can see Matt Campbell putting his touch on Iowa State and being able to go into Ames and, and win that town and, and make Ames a special place to be because of the relationships. And that's why I think he is the right guy for the job. And those people at Ames need to be doing anything they can to keep that man there. And I think it's going to happen because, you know, money's great, but I think Matt Campbell also knows that the grass 
is not always greener when you look at the coaching carousel right. in college football. You know, four years ago, everybody and their dog wanted Tom Herman to be their head coach. LSU, Texas, everybody's fighting for uh, Tom Herman. And now Texas can't get rid of him. You know, it's, right. it's just, a, just a crazy profession where – one year you're loved, and two years later, everybody hates your guts and thinks you can't coach anymore. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to throw this name out, and I know there's some controversy behind his name, but I think Greg Marshall said it best during his time at Wichita State when he said, why would I mess with happiness? Whereas if I go to one of these big schools and I may win two or three years, but if I have one down season, I may be out the door. So why mess with happiness? And I think you said it best. So – I'm going to ask you this question, then I'm going to get some – pick your brain on some things within the City League. Could Matt Campbell – and I know this may be far-fetched, but then again, it might not be. Could Mark – could Coach Campbell be the Mark Few of college football? You know, I, I think that's something that you could say so. You know, if you look at it, you break down salary rise, and I, and I don't know the exact number – and I, I could be mistaken, but I believe Coach Campbell's in the top 40 of paid coaches in college football right now. So when you look at that, the only reason that I could see Matt Campbell ever looking is that he wants to be able to get the three, four, five-star recruit to bring into this five-star culture um, that he has created. And wherever he is, at, whether that's Ames, whether that's Ohio State, where that's the University of Florida, Notre Dame, wherever, I think Matt Campbell will win. But that is where the only reason I would say Matt Campbell would ever, ever look to leave is when he gets sick of trying to convince four- and five-star recruits to come to Ames, Iowa. Because here's what's going to happen is people are seeing what he's doing with the Brock Purdy's and the Brees Halls of the world and the Brock Hutchinson's. All of a sudden, I think those four-star recruits five-star guys are going to start looking at him to be able to have that edge, you know, and then I'll like, and the reason why I'll say this is I'm a big Notre Dame fan, but Notre Dame has made it to where they can compete in the trenches right now with the Alabama's Ohio State's Clemson of the world. They just can't compete on the perimeter and mm -hmm. the perimeter is where it's explosive football. And that's where I see where coach Campbell would look to maybe move on eventually is that he knows that to be able to win consistently in the top 10, top five nations to be for a national title is that you have to have preachers and freaks out on the perimeter. And that's where I think the only reason that he would look to leave. Well, I, I look at it this way. If he wins the state of Iowa recruiting battles, I think he can pretty much get that done at Iowa state. Now, one of the things that we actually text about during the season it was after your big win over north and it basically came down to a issue of competition and we know that this season like we said it was a very unusual season because you didn't get to start with your heights and bishop carroll games like you normally would but you got those games at the end of the season which i thought was good preparation for the state playoff but do you think it's time that the Greater Wichita Athletic League, or C League as we call it, you think it would serve us best to start scheduling teams that we could possibly be facing in the state tournament? Like, how about Northwest versus Mill Valley in a 
in the regular season game or Northwest versus Derby. I mean, we would like to see more yep. of that. How would you feel about that? No, absolutely. And that's something that we talked about, you know, um, the bus ride home was a long bus ride. And, and it's one of those where you evaluate yourself and you evaluate your program. And, you know, me and Coach Marinelli have sit here through the month of December and looking at ways that we can up our level of play. It's always about, there's always someone bigger and better than you. I'm a big believer in that. No matter if you're the best in the state of Kansas, there's still someone in the Midwest region. And, you know, we still got to get to be the best in the state of Kansas. But, you know, when you look at a schedule like ours normally is, like this year coming up, you know, if, if all good things can go as planned this year, we start out with Bishop Carroll, we then play Heights, then Cape, and then East High, and then we play a couple of city league schools, and then we end the year with Hayes going to the playoffs. That is a good schedule usually for us. But where we are right now is we do have to be able to try to find a way to get a derby on the schedule. We have to find a way to go play in a Lake North, a Mill Valley, and, and, and a St. Thomas Aquinas or, you know, uh, a Junction City even for that matter up in that part of the woods. And so that is one thing we're doing is we're putting together a work, uh, a wish list um, in the City League right now. Uh, Jay Means has done a great job of allowing that. We have six games that we're locked in into a City League schedule. And uh, so in two years, we, we are trying to look at finding a way to be creative and adding a derby to the schedule and a possibly a Kansas City school. You know, but we also have to realize that, you know, Derby might be looking to go play an Oklahoma school, an Arkansas school, Missouri school to up their level. So, you know, hopefully that we can find an open ground to where we can play a Derby or we can go to Kansas City. Because right now, you know, it really doesn't benefit us to go undefeated in the regular season if we're not getting challenged. And right now, it wouldn't be bad for the Grizzlies to lose a regular season game. You know, our last regular season game we ever lost was 2017 uh, to Bishop Carroll by. Uh, late touchdown with 17 seconds left. That was the last time Bishop Carroll's beat us, but that's also the last regular season game. You know, I think, I don't even know what the streak is. I think we're on like a 32-game uh, regular season winning streak right now. You know, and it's something that we got to look as as we look at continuing uh, where we want to be and rising our level of play is we have to get out and play the best of the best. And, you know, I think our athletic director, Mr. Deckinger's, at least open to allowing us to see what's out there now. Good. Uh, so, I mean, I would love to see that. And you mentioned Derby might be looking to play Missouri or Arkansas or Oklahoma. And I think it would bode well because if you look, especially on the western side of the state, you have your Garden Cities playing teams from Oklahoma because I guess they're close enough. And I see no reason why come that couldn't happen within the City League. I mean, I would love to see, say – uh Wichita Northwest versus a uh, Tulsa Union, or you know, something of that magnitude. Well, you know, here's the thing: is I think what we got to do in, in the state we are. I think the state of Kansas has made uh, big steps from where we are. I believe we're mm-hmm. going into the 13th year um, of allowing us to do a little bit more in the summer. Um, you know, where we have no restrictions really in the summer um, compared to Prior to 2009, you know, we were restricted to a one-day team camp. We couldn't do anything with multiple people. We could only lift weights. And I think the past 13 years, 12 years, we have gotten better at that. And now for us, now we got to look at how can we expand 
and be able to get better. Now, you know, 2020, I think, was a wash. You know, we got out of it what we could get out of it in the off season with not being able to work out with our team from March, uh, July. You know, I think those are things that are in the past. I think people are getting creative and understanding that we can do things and we can move on now. Now it's how do we rise our level to the next level. For us at Wichita Northwest, we always have to look in, inwards in our program and see what we're doing and if we're doing it the right way. And, you know, right now, getting ready to start in January, you know, we're here in Monday, we'll start workouts again, and we are looking at any way to make ourselves better. And, you know, it's kind of a reboot. Uh, we're going to go back to some core values of ours and, and get back and roll our sleeves up and get work and find that next wave of, of being able to win that state title game. But also as a coach, we have to do a better of mentoring our youth. And, you know, I'm sad to hear I had a former player of mine uh, that I coached at Heights passed away on the January 1st, just the other day. And, you know, that really, real hangs heavy on my heart right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not always about wins. It's about monitoring our youth, not just in the guys that are in our program, but guys that have left our program and finding a, just a way to keep these kids from doing some very, very damaging things. And, you know, that's the things that we're looking at to continue to make ourselves better. And, and I believe you are that man who can make an impact on these young people. You, you might can't save them all, but if you can save one, what a great impact that would be because I, I, I look at the news too and I'm a preacher friend of mine years ago said like this. He says, there are many short graves as there is long graves. And when yeah. you look at the news nowadays, you're seeing too many young people dying over senseless stuff. And I call it, there's another lost potential right there. And I, and I believe yeah, it's, 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 yeah. yeah. no I, I agree it's you know I think there's some guys out there in our community that are tired of seeing our youth do this and and I think there's more of us that need to step up I know that there's more that I can do um, you know and I'm any way that I can make a positive impact and help kids not even just kids in Northwest but just kids in general all around the Wichita area I think you know, if you're not looking at ways to do that and improve the quality of life for these kids, you're not in it for the right reasons. And I know for me, you know, that's came something that's came. You know, when I was 22 years old and starting the profession, all I really cared about was winning football games, and I didn't care how to get there. But, you know, as you get older and you start seeing the type of impact that you have on kids, because now at 39 years old, now I'm seeing kids that I – coach 10 years ago now they're 28 years old and we're talking about them and they're talking about the life lessons that you gave them and and tools that they've given and now they're laughing and you know you give those guys hugs you tell them you love them and uh you know there's there's more that uh more that we can give to our community and and that's kind of way i'm looking at it on my you know you if you call it the back half of my coaching career i guess you could say at 39 years old you know um, that we just got to do a better ways of impacting kids. And, and, and that's really my goals from now on is, is how can we make a difference, a positive difference in our kids that we get across every day. All right. Now here's the last thing I want to lead out with. We got approximately about eight minutes, seven and a half minutes, but all this time is yours. I know you had a chance to watch some college football. Do you think it's time? for the college football playoff to expand. Now, I'm going to give you my theory. 12-team expansion. The top four teams get a bye. 
teams five through 12 play it out. Technically, I don't think Notre Dame would have been my fourth team. But pit Notre Dame against Cincinnati. And yes, I know Cincinnati lost their game to Georgia, but they balled out. They they put a scare in Georgia. Imagine Notre Dame versus Cincinnati. I think that would be a, one of the more competitive games of the five through 12 matchups. What do you think about that? Here's the deal. I believe that in college football right now, there's Alabama. I would have said Clemson before yesterday's game. And the Ohio State. And right now, I think the disparity in the elite level athleticism on the perimeter is so different right now that I don't think that it matters who it is. I think right now, if you go look at the historical game of a one versus a four right now, I I don't know the stat for off the top of my head in the past seven years, but I don't remember a one versus four game ever being close so far in this playoff. And I don't know if it's because we don't have the right team in there, but what I'm looking at is if you expand and you go eight, I believe eight would be a good number because then what happens to when you go to a 12 team, there's always going to be the argument, just like there was this year. Should Notre Dame have been the number four seed, or should Texas A&M, or should Florida, if Florida would have beat Alabama, would Florida have been in the game? There's arguments for everybody. Could OU have been in the game as a four seed? Possibly. But I think the reason why you have to keep it a low number is that the regular season has to matter. And that's why I believe Notre Dame should have been a four seed, even though I'm a Notre Dame fan. I believe Notre Dame should have been that four seed, even though they didn't play very well. And, and Alabama showed the, uh, the weakness of Notre Dame. I just don't think right now that there's a lot of teams that compete with Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. I know everybody wants to say Cincinnati has a feel-good story, and that was great. They did play. They did ball out. I was very impressed with what those guys, Coach Fickle, you know, is an Ohio State guy, learned under uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, You know, he wasn't a sexy name back in the day as Tom Herman was when he was at Ohio State. But, you know, the case is, is just like high school football, eventually you're going to have to have a cutoff. Whether that cutoff is 14th, 18th, or 16th, that 17, 18 seats always going to have an argument. Nine and 10 are always going to have an argument. Five, six, and seven are always going to have an argument. You know, we live in an imperfect world, and uh, it's one of those things where I I think four is enough. It's how do we properly get the top four in there? I don't think you can say the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, you know, have to have those four spots. You know, that grumbling with the Coastal Carolinas, the Liberty, the, the Louisiana of the world, those guys can play. But what happens is that that only happens once every five, six years, <laughs> excuse me, where the magic happens, where a UCF can actually win that game. Or a Boise State, Boise State can take Oklahoma <laughs> to a two-overtime game. I'm not saying that can't happen every year, but I just think the one-through-four matchup is probably the best thing right now in the business world of NCAA football because if you start looking at things, all the NCAA right now cares about is money. 
And I feel like when they start adding those playoff games, all of a sudden the curb appeal of the Citrus Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, who all those people are counting on for that money, all of a sudden gets to the wayside. So what, what happens is you're dealing with two entities. You're dealing with the business side, and then you're dealing with the national championship game. And I think those things are separate. And, you know, just like the BCS, was that perfect? No. But we always had a champion, and it was always a big moneymaker. And I think that's the way the NCAA looks at it. How can we, yes, get a national champion, but also how can we make the most money? And that's where we're having the issue is everybody's looking at it two ways. Well, all right, Coach. I do thank you for your time. I wish I had a little bit more time because I would have asked you about the brawl. But we will table that until the next time. But that was absolutely that was an eyesore. I could not believe what was going down. I couldn't have, I couldn't even believe the kid did a karate kick and then tried to run. But like I said, there's we will talk about there's that. no room in the game for that. And as, before you sign off, I'll say there needs to be some suspensions, not just a game after that. That was that was disgusting, and that is totally against what the game of football is. So I'll let you get uh, checked off here, and it's been great to be on here with you. And it's been great having you once again, Coach Steve Martin of the Wichita Northwest Grizzly Football Powerhouse Team. Uh, we will get you back on once again. But right now I have to take a break, so thanks for tuning in to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I will be back after this word from my sponsor. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.cakeybums.com www.cakeybums.com To enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, back for my next segment and i have on the line with me now i really don't know how to describe this young man except to say in one word impactful great speaker was a great coach the one and only coach mark potter coach how you doing and happy new year uh, happy New Year to you and doing great. Thank you. And uh, it's a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk to you a little bit this morning and, and uh, you know, on your podcast. So, you know, first off, uh, appreciate you asking me uh, to, to be on your podcast today. And I appreciate having you. And to me, this is an honor because uh, 
I actually really did do some research. And one of the things I saw, it was labeled as best keynote speaker, Mark Potter, inspiring, dedicated, uncommon, dynamic, passionate, real, and relatable. And I guess that's the best way to describe and introduce you. So, Coach. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, uh, uh, I, I can't assure you of this. I, you know, we, you know, when we talk today, I will be real. <laughs> and hopefully I inspire and impact because that's really what, you know, I've, you know, we've set out to do and it's kind of our calling. So whether that's being a head coach or whether that's being, a, you know, a speaker, um, you know, we got to keep working hard, especially in this day and age, to continue to impact others. Absolutely. Now, I actually do have some unofficial history with you because I worked at a station and we used to carry your games on the radio. And so I know you're very familiar with Blake Cripps. So I was the guy that was behind the at the station pushing the buttons. But I had the opportunity to hear you speak then, you know, after the game was over. And I'm like, yeah, he's definitely a basketball coach. He has that coach's voice. Then I had the chance. <laughs> then I had the chance to meet you personally at the yeah. My One Life event, which was sponsored by my good friend Scott and I'll say his wife Shannon Styles, which they're celebrating their anniversary. So happy anniversary to them because I know that he will get a chance to hear this podcast. And that's when basically I got to know who Mark Potter is, not the coach, but Mark Potter, the man. And you are basically, if you look up the definition of the word overcomer in the dictionary, you are that definition. So I'm going to let you have the floor. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, you know, you know, I think every day we're trying to overcome and, and, um, you know, when I had to overcome the most was, you know, it was, I guess it's been about 15 years ago now, but I was the head basketball coach at Newman University, you know, as you know, for 19 years. And, uh, that particular season was a season of, uh, I guess turmoil is the, is the greatest way that I could describe how, what I was thinking in my mind. And, um, you know, so as we started that season, um, you know, I had, I just had, uh, something that was different uh, about me, some different way I was thinking, the different ways that I was kind of, you know, going about my business. I had been a head coach at that time for, that was my 19th season overall as a head coach. And I think I'd been at Newman for 10 years. And uh, as we started our practices that year, um, I, I just, um, something was not right. And, and I knew it, but I wasn't sure what to do about it. And so I, you know, as we do in the athletic world and, you know, as, you know, the way I was raised, you know, small town Kansas was, hey, man, we suck it up. Uh, we don't talk about our feelings and we continue to push forward. And obviously being a head coach and a father and a husband, um, you know, that's that was my mindset. And I didn't want, you know, to uh, to bother people with anything that maybe I you know, was struggling with. And so, you know, I think one of the things that one of the greatest things that I could say kind of as I uh, speak about the, you know, the initial thoughts of going into depression, into severe depression, is that if, if I could impact anybody that's listening today, uh, the number one thing that I would hope that I could tell you is that, you know, what I just described there, that I was trying to suck it up and not let anybody know about what was going on. I want to, I want to encourage other people to recognize that's not the way to go about it. That's, Unfortunately, the way we've, we've done it in our society since, um, 
you know, since the world began. And, and uh, you know, I always, you know, I had a wonderful athletic director by the name of Vic Turley. And he always, he always mm-hmm. used to ask me, you know, when I would whine about something, he always said, well, how's it going for you? <laughs> and when he said, when he asked that question, you knew that there was a legitimate reason he was asking that question. And, and what he's really saying is, you know what, if it's not going well, why aren't you changing something? Why aren't you doing something different? And mm-hmm. in regards to severe depression, um, you know, I wasn't doing anything different. I was doing just like uh, I had been taught. I was doing, you know, pretty much, you know, what I thought everybody else would do in the position that I was in. And that's tell nobody. Let's try to stuck it up. Let's try to get through it. And unfortunately, what I found out was that I continued to spiral out of control with my thoughts and, and mind. And, um, you know, things didn't get better. And I wasn't able to get stuck it up and get out of it myself. And, um, you know, so I, I struggled the big time. And so I'll give you a description kind of of what happened from the time. It, it basically started at the beginning of practice that particular season, which was in 2005. We had just come off of a season where we had won 25 games, had been ranked in the top 20 in the nation the entire year. Um, we'd gone to the national tournament. You know, I was at my alma mater at the University where I played both basketball and baseball. Uh, things were going well for me. So, um, you know, sometimes I think when we think of somebody that's going through severe depression, and we think that, my goodness, they're going through something really traumatic and, you know, they've had a death in the family or something's happened, you know, within their family or, uh, their, their, their circle of friends. And in my case, that was, that was simply not the case. And I think that's another myth when it comes to, um, mental health is that, uh, you know, I think sometimes we, when we look at people, we just have an assumption that, man, hey, you know what? Look at that person. They've got things going on. You know, Coach Potter's the head basketball coach over there. Mm-hmm. Um, got a wonderful wife and two wonderful children. And, you know, his, his life is just awesome. And, and, and I guess maybe I think the real, the real side of this is that no matter what a person looks like, no matter what position they're in, whether it's a basketball coach or whether it's uh, working behind the scenes at KGSO where you did for, you know, what you have for a long time, uh, whatever it is that we do, um, there's always something that's going on and, and, and we, we should never assume that somebody doesn't need our help. And um, sometimes, especially people like me, unfortunately, um, I needed somebody else's help. I just wasn't going to reach out to get it. And mm-hmm. You know, that's another main point that I would like to make today is that there are so many people out there that are struggling and suffering in silence. And especially now in the day and age of COVID and all the people that have lost their jobs and all the different things that we've had to go through as a society. uh, There are many, many people that are struggling. And sometimes it's just important for us to maybe look for the signs that they are struggling and then do everything in our power to try to reach out to them and see, you know, see how we can help them. And, uh, you know, I was just really good at faking people out. And I don't know, if, you know, you can relate to that, Anthony, but I know a lot of people that, you know, maybe listen to this can, you know, as adults, we just think that we have to, you know, look like a million dollars and, you know, we, we have to, you know, let people know, hey, man, I'm, I'm in complete control. And, you know, bottom line is the only one that's in control is the good Lord. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, I think it's important for all of us to understand that there, we're all going to have struggles, um, but it's just it's just imperative that if we are struggling, that we reach out 
and uh, we tell our doctor if it's a serious problem. And, and many times you may not think it's serious, but in my case, I lost 30 pounds in about five weeks. Mm. Uh, I basically, as a head college basketball coach, became a recluse, meaning that I would do everything in my power to coach my team and get ready for my team every day. But once the practice was over and I did everything in my power to fake my players out and my coaches out, I would go to my office and close my door and pretty much not, you know, really talk to anybody unless I had to. And that's complete opposite of who I am and it's complete opposite of my personality, as, mm-hmm. as you already know. And, right. And uh, but that's 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 what happened to me in, the, in really about a five and a half to six week period. So throughout that preseason, you know, those practices that we were getting ready for the opening game of that season, I was spiraling completely out of control and and um, you know, I, you know, looking back on it, you know, I, I guess I didn't really know what was happening to me. I just knew that uh, something wasn't right. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I couldn't eat, you know, sometimes I think people, well, that person is struggling, you know, with their mental health right now. And, you know, what you don't realize, there are a lot of other symptoms that go along with it. You know, in my case, there, you know, I couldn't eat. Um, it just affected my brain in a way in which I just, you know, just wasn't able to even, even my favorite foods, I, you know, just couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And so I ate just enough to survive and, you know, 30 pounds. I mean, I'm a fairly skinny guy. I've gained some weight now, but, but I was really skinny then. I think I was about, you know, six, three, probably around 190. And I took off 30 pounds in about, six, you know, a little less than six weeks. And so I'm down to 160 before the season even started. Wow. And, uh, you know, rest assured, it was not the right way to get rid of, of weight. And secondly, um, I was not only very, very weak mentally, uh, but I was extremely weak physically. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, in all my 30 years of being a head basketball coach, uh, during the season, I would average approximately four hours of sleep a night and during the season. And what I really need is about seven and a half to eight hours of sleep a night. And, you know, what I was doing was, you know, basically, you know, I basically became a workaholic and mm-hmm. uh, I spent hours upon hours upon hours trying to figure out ways to get my team in the right position to win basketball games. And, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't work at it. Obviously it's an important thing to do, but, you know, I had, um, you know, I just didn't understand what balance, you know, in my life was. And, right. And that's another thing that I hope I can impact others with today is to is to recognize, you know, are you know, are you working too many hours and you know, are the things that you're doing when you when you evaluate yourself, um, you know, are they potentially uh putting you as well as your family or or maybe your friends uh you know also you know in a bad position, meaning um, you know, if somebody's struggling, then you know, my wife always says this, you know, we, we had severe depression and, and that's a kind of a, a statement that like people are like, what do you mean? Like coach is the one that had depression. Well, when one person in the family is struggling, everybody is struggling. Right. That doesn't mean they necessarily have depression, but they are going through, you know, I was isolated. I uh, wouldn't really talk much. The only one I talked to was really my wife and you know, we had our son was in college, a freshman in college at Wichita State. He was golfing over there from Bridge Jones. So he had just left the house basically. And then our daughter was a junior in high school. And when 
when when my family found out what it was, my wife forced me to go to the doctor. Uh, what I didn't know is my wife and my daughter would be in the other room, you know, talking about it, crying. What's wrong with, you know, my daughter's like, what's wrong with my dad? You know, um, you know, I was after, you know, my wife forced me to go to the doctor. I was uh, at home. The doctor told me I'm going to have to stay home and start taking medication and, and couldn't coach my team. So literally it was the day before the season opened that my wife forced me to go to the doctor and, and, um, you know, I, I you know, I got to be honest here. And when I said I was going to be real, I, this is what I mean by, you know, getting real. Is in, in those six weeks of spiraling out of control, uh, as it got closer to the part in which my wife forced me to go to the doctor, um, I actually had suicidal thoughts. Mm. And that's a difficult thing for, you know, I'm 57 now and, you know, you know, I hope, you know, when I look back on my life that, you know, I have impacted a lot of people, done a lot of good things. But um, but I tell you that because, you know, our struggles, um, you that you know this, Anthony, I know this. And hopefully the people that are listening, they understand that um, they're real. And no matter what the circumstances are, um, if anybody out there is having suicidal thoughts, I, I hope and I pray that they will say, okay, you know what? That's something that I need to address immediately. That's not something to try to work through like I was trying to do. Um, right. I was completely wrong, you know, in that approach. And uh, I hope other people understand how important it is to just reach out and you know, take that first step and, and go to the doctor and, and, and find out what the heck's going on. Because, you know, many times it could be something fairly simple and many times it may not be as simple and, in my case, the doctor said, you know, look, you're, you're not well. <laughs> you're going to have to stay home until you get better, and I'll let you know when you can go back and coach your team. So I missed eight games and 28 practices at the beginning of that mm-hmm. season. And, um, you know, let me put that in perspective for you. So I, I, in high school, I played football, basketball, and baseball, and I never missed a game ever. Right. In college, I played two sports basketball and baseball for four straight years, never missed a game. As a head basketball coach, I was a head coach for 30 years, coached in over 800 games, and never missed any games except for the eight games that I missed uh, when I was going through severe depression. So, um, you know, I think it's it's uh, an important thing to mention to people that I was really, really sick. And uh, when you, you know, obviously, when you have suicidal thoughts, you're at that point, and uh, then something needs to be done about it. And I might also tell you this: you know, as I was really sick, and my wife obviously started to recognize that. And you know, my wife, if she were to talk to you, she'd say, you know, I was obviously in denial for a while because she always describes it as, you know, when the season started, I would kind of be checked out anyway, um, which is not a positive thing necessarily. But obviously, I'm focused on you know, all the hours that I was working and all the things that I was doing, trying to get my team ready. And um, she would always, you know, recognize, you know, okay, you know, my husband's going to check out for the next five months or six months, basically. And and that's kind of the way it was. <laughs> and uh, this particular time, I, yeah, I was checked out, but it was another level. I mean, she, toward the end of that six-week period prior to going to the doctor, I mean, I would, I'd be sitting in my chair and I'd be, you know, having tears rolling down my face and, 
Uh, so I was extremely emotional. And, and, you know, when I was away from my team and my coaches, uh, I was really, I really struggled even handling my own emotions when I was going through the severe depression. And I also had very, very high anxiety. So, um, you know, anxiety is the number one mental health issue in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, what I didn't realize is that, you know, my anxiety was creating a lot of, this, you know, was creating the severe depression. So, um, you know, I just think it's important for hopefully everybody to, to hear the message that uh, when you're struggling, first of all, there's strength in getting help. You know, I'm getting emotional when I say this because so many people, as I said earlier, are struggling in silence, suffering in silence mm-hmm. and struggle. And um, I just hope that, you know, by speaking out loud about this particular topic that others will be inspired to say, you know, if Coach Potter can do that, so can I. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's really, you know, all we care about is to try to inspire others to let them know that there's strength in getting help. It's not weakness. And, um, you know, just because we have been raised that way doesn't mean that's the right way. <laughs> right. And that's the way I was raised. And, you know, and I have parents and grandparents that they would never try to hurt me by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, they weren't going to talk about, you know, personal feelings. And, you know, they, that's the kind of thing that I talked about earlier, though, is that, you know, hey, man, you know, pull up those boots, strap it up, suck it up, let's go. And that's what we're supposed to do in life. And, you know, there are times when that's what we need to do because maybe we're not in severe depression. Okay. But anytime there's a mental health issue going on, it just has to be addressed, and it's okay. And that's the message I want everybody else to hear: is that it's okay. Absolutely. So I've said a lot. I didn't know how much you wanted me to cover on that, but hey, uh, there's a lot more to the story. And when I present that particular message to others, you know, now I speak for a living, and um, you know, I we you know, prior to COVID, you know, my wife and I traveled around the nation, and and we still uh, we're getting ready to get back out here in the spring, and you know, we've just done everything in our power to try to keep the mask on and, you mm-hmm. know, social distance. But there are so many people that are struggling. And so, um, you know, we just want to get out there and impact as much as possible. Absolutely. Because one of the things I noticed, you also formed your own company. And I hope I'm saying this right. D2Up. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And yeah. It says, and you go on and you speak on many topics, including mental toughness and motivation. And, you know, here real briefly, I, I remember about round about last Christmas time, I was, I might've been going through those same symptoms and I'm going to tell you why. Getting yep. close, getting close to Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And my parents, they've been deceased a while, but all of a sudden I'm like, just really, really missing them. Like wishing they were here. Mm-hmm. and. To compound the situation, hadn't heard from my daughter. A while back, mm-hmm. my daughter said she was coming to town. She never made the town. Coming up on Christmas time, hadn't heard from her. Now it's like, you know, if I don't hear from my daughter, you know, Christmas don't mean nothing now. Matter of fact, I didn't want to be around nobody. I'd yeah. rather been off in a closed room just off to myself, you know. But then all of a sudden, I got that call. And then it's like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. But the way I felt, I, I tell people, I kind of feel like I might have been going into a dark hole at that time. I mean, I talked to one yeah. or two people and they said, they said, that sounds like you could have been slipping into depression. 
But that's right. I, I prayed and I'm like, and the good Lord heard my prayer, but you know, it's just one of those things you never know how it's going to hit you. And then you might have seen this episode where Dak Prescott came out and spoke about his own personal mm. depression. You're gonna get me fired up now. Because, and Skip Bayless uh, basically like, well, he's an basically he was saying he's an athlete, and like you said, suck it up. But there was other players that came up to Dak and said, Hey man, I thank you for sharing that and letting us be aware about it because now I can open up about mine. So we got on this segment approximately about nine minutes, but go ahead because I can always start another segment. The time is yours. (laughs) Well, you know, I said you're going to get me fired up and you talked about Dak Prescott. I mean, I I remember uh, the day that 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 Skip Bayless said that, and I didn't actually see it live, but uh, one of my best friends, Text me and said, Hey, did you hear what Skip Bayless just said? So I um, got on there and listened to how it was said and what he said. And, you know, and, and, and I want to say this loud and clear. And I'm not, you know, I don't get on podcasts and I don't, you know, go on videos and I don't go around and I talk about other people in a negative way. But I will say that Skip Bayless doesn't get it. Skip Bayless made a statement, to, uh, in my opinion, that could hurt a lot of other people people because of what he said and how he said it and you know he's in a position that he is impacting whether it's good or bad he's impacting a lot of other people and when he said that about Jack Prescott and here's what people don't didn't realize Jack Prescott had a brother that died by suicide back in I believe it was March and Jack Prescott went into a severe depression and he talked openly and honestly about that and when I heard about the circumstances. It didn't matter the circumstances, but obviously there was reasons that, you know, he had gone into severe depression. And man, I was so fired up and jacked up in a, in a positive way when I heard that Jack Prescott had done that. Because anytime you can get a professional athlete, and especially a, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, speaking openly and honestly about his own struggles, then mm-hmm. that's going to help other people understand that it's okay to do it. And Skip Bayless said, you know, I just don't believe that a quarterback of an NFL football team ought to be telling people about his own personal issues. And when I heard that, man, I came out of my chair. Um, you know, I wished I had the opportunity to speak to Skip Bayless in a positive way, not a negative way. I just want to let him know, listen, that's exactly why our society is in the position that we're in now, is because, you know, this mindset that, Dak Prescott shouldn't be, you know, because he's the leader of a team, shouldn't be, you know, telling other people about some of the struggles that he's had. Well, and here's my opinion, and, and I've gone through severe depression personally. Uh, I've spoken to many people that have gone through severe depression and anxiety and have all kinds of, you know, different mental health issues. My opinion is this. Dak Prescott just affected millions of people in a positive way by sharing his own personal journey and his own struggles. Absolutely. What, I mean, he became he became one of my favorite players immediately when I heard that because, uh, you know, it takes incredible courage to, to do what he did. And that's what I'm trying to encourage others to do is to have, um, you know, courage enough to speak out about it and to talk openly and honestly about it so that our children and our grandchildren and our society in general will understand, listen, what we've done in the past hasn't been working, so it's time to make a change. And the change 
has to happen in regards to opening up and talking about it. You know, it shouldn't be something that we're afraid, like, my goodness, if somebody finds out about this, you know, who knows what might happen to my job or whatever. You know what? You know what? You know what I think of Dak Prescott after he, after he made that statement? That he had, if, I mean, he already had the respect of the teammates and his coaches, right? After right. he did that, he had the ultimate respect. And let me tell you why I know that without ever talking to Dak Prescott. Because I have had the opportunity to speak to two major league baseball players, guys that have been, was in the league for a long time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I asked them this question. I said, I'm just curious, but in your opinion, how many professional baseball players do you think has struggled with anxiety, depression, or a combination of both or any type of mental health issue? Mm-hmm. And one of the, well, both of them said this, but one of them in particular said this. Now keep in mind, this guy was a big league player for a long time. He said, coach, if you don't think that big league players don't go through depression and anxiety, you're crazy. He said, you're wrong. He said, I don't know of anyone that didn't. And here's what, here's what we think as society. We look at the big time athletes and guys that are making millions of dollars and, and we think, man, they do got, they have got, they've got it all. They've got it all, right? Right. No, they have more stresses and more pressures and, and, and trying to please all these different people by the way they play the game. And, and, you know, it's wrong in terms of how our society approaches that. But at the same time, it's real. And, you know, I knew that going, you know, being a head coach and people second guess everything that we do. And, uh, you know, you know the rules, but it doesn't mean it's fair. Right. Right. And, um, and, and so guys like Dak Prescott, I mean, you know, you talked about other NFL players. You know, it was, um, I can't think of, oh, Hayden Hurst, the tight end from the Atlanta Falcons, is the following week, I believe it was, after this came out, the Dallas Cowboys played the Atlanta Falcons. And after the game was over, Dak was still playing. He wasn't hurt yet. Hayden Hurst ran over to him, and, and, and I don't want to, this is not the exact quote, but he said, he said, Dak, man, mad respect for you for opening up and talking about that openly and honestly mad respect yeah. and that gives me chills to say that because that's another man who he just recently by the way came out and talked openly and honestly about his own struggle you don't think that prescott didn't have something to do with that absolutely i, I promise i promise you he did and uh so that's the kind of thing that excites me about you know what Dak did and um you know I, i'll say one other thing and i know we have to finish up here but uh, this, this last year, I had an opportunity to be on a, on a Zoom podcast for the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and I was on this particular panel um, with a young man by the name of Trey Moses, who was a college athlete at uh, Utah, basketball player. And it's a longer story than we can go into right now, but Trey Moses had struggled with suicidal thoughts since he was in seventh grade mm-hmm. and attempted twice suicide when he was in college, found his best friend in his dorm room that had died by suicide and Trey Moses now speaks out openly and honestly about this because he understands the significance of trying to help other people uh, in regards to you know just talking about his own personal journey and the things that he struggled with as well so um, you know it it, uh, it inspires me that you brought up Dak because uh, I don't know I probably talked about it on two other podcasts and uh, he inspires me, you know, at another right. level because of what he did. So, absolutely. Uh, you know, I hope that uh, I hope that this podcast can truly touch other people and, and, and 
them in a way that maybe they thought, never thought they could be impacted before. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I want to thank you once again for being on this podcast. And like you said, I hope this does reach people. Uh, and here's what I'm really hoping too now with the minute and 10 seconds I have left to say this. I had Jody Adams on and she was a dynamic interview as well too. And that was one of my most listened to podcasts. I hope <laughs> this one peaks it because you had a well, lot I to hope say so too. And, and uh, you let me know what I can do to try to promote it as well. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope that, uh, you know, I just appreciate, you know, you doing what you're doing and, and really appreciate the opportunity to come on your podcast, Anthony, because, uh, you know, you're impacting people like, you know, that you probably have no idea you're impacting. So, you know, appreciate, uh, um, appreciate what you're doing. And, and so keep up the great work, my man. Keep absolutely. it up. Absolutely. And you do the same. Once again, Mark Potter on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, your conductor, Anthony Smith. I'll be back after this from a word from my sponsor. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.cakeybums.com www.cakeybums.com To enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to my final episode of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And as I told you, we are picking up passengers. First, we started with Coach Steve Martin, Northwest Grizzlies. Then we picked up along the way Mark Potter. And now the guy who I think has a lot of influence on me podcasting now because he used to let me sit in the studio with him at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning at KGSO. Then he broke everybody's heart and went to Charlotte, North Carolina. But he's back. My friend, my brother, Chris Allison. Chris, how you doing? Anthony, how are you, my friend? Good to talk to you as always. And congratulations on episode 100 of the podcast. That's pretty cool, man. Who would have thought I'd do 100 episodes? If you would have told me (laughs) I'd be doing 100 episodes and talking to people like Coach Potter and Coach Martin and Chris Allison, man. And I'm just having fun. I, I I might not be a household name, but main thing is I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. And it all goes back to you because I used to watch you all the time. You was just sitting in the studio, had a smile on your face, taking calls. And I know sometimes all the calls weren't the best calls, but you did it with a smile. So last time we talked, we were, you was telling us a little bit about your journey. I can't remember where we left off, but 
you're back here in Wichita and you're doing things, but I know you're still in tune with what's going on in the sports world. So I'm going to let you talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, first of all, to be, you know, to, um, to be back in the state of Kansas and in the midst of what's going on at Arrowhead Stadium right now, it's exciting. And, you, you know, I, I grew up uh, from day one a Chiefs fan. And, you know, there, there were certainly a lot of low moments in the what last from 48 years old. So there's a lot of low moments in those 48 years. Um, there were there were some great moments. You know, there were some very good football teams. And you think back to Neil Smith and Derek Thomas and, mm-hmm. and how great that defense was for a darn good stretch. And then at the same time, how bad the offense was at the same time. And and, you know, then you kind of go to the Dick Vermeil days when the offense was at times unstoppable, but their defense couldn't stop anybody. And uh, they just never were able to put together, uh, you know, both sides of the ball. And now that's obviously changed. And the, to see the difference maker at quarterback and and all of the creativity and the talent, and speed and everything you're seeing on offense and you, know, you equivalent that with, I think it's pretty darn good defense on the other side of the ball. It's not the best in the NFL, but it's certainly good enough to win another Super Bowl, I think. It's, you know, so it's really been, you know, last year I was out in Charlotte, North Carolina when uh, that was all happening. And believe it or not, they had a Chiefs, uh, Charlotte Chiefs fan club out there that got together and watched games. And, and, and so that was kind of cool to see, you know, see that form. But to, to be back here now and, and, you know, to to be, you know, three hours from Arrowhead and, and to be around a lot of fans that just really are into what's going on, it's it's been special. So I'm hoping they're able to put together another great run here in the playoffs as they did a year ago. Well, since we're speaking of football, and you mentioned how at one time the defense was great and the offense was not so great then. There was times the offense was great, but the defense wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. What can we do from a defensive standpoint? Because it seems like the rules that have changed over the years have basically taken defense out the game to the point to where we're looking at maybe five years down the road, they're basically going to be playing touch football. <laughs> well, there's really two things going on throughout all of this. And, and you can, you know, there's, there's aspects of this in both college and NFL football, but number one was the safety factor. And, you know, when, when, when I think back 10, 12 years ago, and I was maybe longer, uh, when I was on the air in Wichita and they, you know, they took away, well, they introduced this um, defenseless player terminology to us. And I didn't like it at the time, you know, I'm, I, I like the big hits and, you know, we watch foot, but, you know, we watch football be, in, in part because we like seeing that physicality and, and, you know, it's kind of like NASCAR races, right? I mean, you, a lot of people, they, they want to see that wreck. That's right. the big one, right? right? And we wanted to see the big hits in the NFL, but I kind of got, I, as, as time went along, I kind of got it, man. I, I see where they're coming from, the concussion issues and, you know, the violence of the sport while it's still there. Uh, I do think they've cleaned it up a little bit and and made it a safer sport. So I'm I'm you know I'm happy to see that happen. 
Um, on the other hand, I would hate to be a defensive player right now, especially on the college side, where you're, you know, you're, you could be disqualified from the game in a, you know, in a matter of an instinct when you really meant no harm at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole, the, the whole targeting issue is, that's a tough one, you know, and you see, you see, you see guys that aren't trying to hurt anyone. They just get sometimes caught in a bad situation where they're going down uh, to make a hit. And at the same time, the player's also lowering their head and the head comes, the, the heads come together. And the next thing you know, the offensive players, uh, the offense gets 15 yards and the defensive players kicked out of the game. That's right. a tough one. I, again, I get the safety aspect of it, but boy, to be a defensive player as quickly as the game moves and to have it all taken away from you in a matter of an instant would be real difficult. So I feel for those guys. Um, the other thing that we saw was, you know, people just love points, right? I mean, uh, I think the NFL gets it. You know, the, the, the more Patrick Mahomes of the world, the, the more, um, you know, 45, 50, 55 touchdown seasons that we could see, uh, the, the more popular the sport is. Fans would rather watch, and I don't know that this is across the board, but um, I can enjoy a 10-7 to 7 football game. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I think for the most part, the NFL season like 45-42 is way better than 10-7. So let's, let's, let's make the offense – uh, that much, uh, you know, the, that much easier to put points on the board, and so defensive players and pass pass interference now, and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's a whole different ball game. I still yeah. love it, but there's no question it's a whole different game. And um, I get the safety aspect of it, but uh, it, it's certainly difficult to be a defensive player, really, in college and pro football right now. Right, and even and even when it comes to sacking the quarterback, and the NFL had to do with that when they made that new rule, like you couldn't land on them. And I don't know how many times we saw Clay Matthews do a picture perfect. This is how we taught you to tackle when you were in peewee league. And now that mm-hmm. very same technique that we taught you, you're getting penalized for it. Yeah. 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 You, you know, it's, they, they protect those guys um, that the money's better. The, the viewership's better, which makes your TV money, uh, you know, pan out like you want it when the quarter when when we're watching starting quarterbacks and great quarterbacks and not second third string guys. So uh, they, they've tried very hard to protect those guys, and and yeah, it's still ah, it's a tough job. You know, it's a tough job to to be a quarterback in the NFL. There, you, you know, you're still getting you're still taking a lot of hits, and and. Even with the rules as they are right now, as they try to protect these guys, but it is, um, you know, it's, again, I I look at the defensive players and what what's legal and what's not, and sometimes it's hard to sort all of that out, especially when you think of, you know, how instant the moments are that you know that they have to make decisions, and, and it's tough, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Now you watch college football, you watch pro football, so. Mm-hmm. Last night was the semis of the college football playoff. Do you think they have the right system, or do you think there's time for expansion? Mm, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing it go to, to eight. I wouldn't mind seeing a non-power five have an opportunity uh, to, um, you know, to see where they stack up. I think most often in college football, 
Um, I, I think the Power Five schools probably are the, the the better schools, but you know who's to say? You know, but you know who's to say? Like, like for instance, Cincinnati, a nine and zero football team. Mm-hmm. Who's to say they don't deserve a chance at least to be a part of the party, right? I, I think most often that team's probably going to fall. If uh, Cincinnati played Alabama right now, I think there's probably quite a bit of separation between those two schools. But on the other hand, um, an eight-team playoff would give us a chance to at least see the game, and it would give a non-Power 5 the opportunity to have something to play for. Um, you know, the, the, the FCS, those guys have a 16-team playoff, and they eventually get to a national champion. But if you're not in a Power 5, mm-hmm. but you're in one of the – you're an FBS, but not a Power Five school. Um, yeah, no. What are you playing for? I mean, a conference title, and I guess one team gets a shot at, um, or two teams get a shot at a big bowl game. Uh, man, I mean, it's. I'd like to see Cincinnati, for instance, in this case, have an opportunity at. And so I'd go for that. But on the other hand, uh, I, you know, I was okay with the four teams they pulled into this thing. Uh, Notre Dame. Just, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, they're just, they're close. And Brian Kelly's doing a great job. They're just not quite there yet. He improved the interior of both the offensive and the defensive line, which matches up better to a Clemson and Alabama. But then just the, right now their skill players aren't there um, compared to what we saw with Alabama last night. And uh, give it to Ohio State. What a game. Uh, They, you know, right. Brent Venables, the, the especially Brent Venables being the 11th ranked team, guys, the Clemson defensive coordinator. He's one of my former teammates in in uh, high school and college, and uh, and it's not very often that you see one of his defenses get shoved around like that. Right. And Ohio State was able to do it last night, and and so I think we're in for a heck of a national title game. I, I'm looking forward to that next Monday. Yeah, and and what was amazing, according to Dabo Swinney, Ohio State was the 11th ranked team. <laughs> I had, yeah, I had, I had them, to put that in there. He gave them a little bit of uh, motivation with that, didn't he? Absolutely. And it's so happy. Yeah. Now that we're looking at this Ohio State-Alabama game, those are two of your bigger markets in college football, Alabama and Ohio. Those are two of your biggest college markets. So imagine what the TV ratings are going to be for that game next week. Well, they're, it, it's two, you know, blue blood programs and, um, talent all over the field. Uh, Coach Day of Ohio State, what a job he has done in uh, taking that program to now this level and uh, second consecutive year in the playoffs. And last year they were disappointed after a close loss to Clemson. And, and last night, man, they 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 put it down on them. Uh, they handed Clemson um, one heck of a of, of a loss. And and so I think Ohio State match. I, I still think with Alabama and the talent that we see on that field, it's going to be an Alabama win, but I I think we'll see a good game. Absolutely. Well, we're down to two minutes left on this segment here for you. And I do thank you for reaching out and catching up with me. And you know, we're going to have to do this again soon, but on my hundredth episode talking with Chris Allison, I call him my mentor in this business because he let me sit up under him and watch him. He probably thought I was crazy getting up that early in the morning. Probably, <laughs> probably thinking, this guy should have a job somewhere. I'm like, well, I want your job. But, Chris, <laughs> thanks for catching up with me today. We will do this again when we have longer time because I want to hear some more about 
your time in Charlotte. But until next time, I do appreciate you and thank you for making this podcast what it was by your presence. All right, my friend. You know, I appreciate you and, and congratulations on the 100 episodes. And let's catch up again soon. Absolutely. Once again, Chris Allison on the A Train Sports Talk podcast. And that will be the wrap on this segment. Thank you. Once again, Chris Allison, formerly of the game plan, KGSO, had his own show in Charlotte on ESPN called The Pulse. And now he's back here in Wichita. Like I say, I don't know how many times I went into that studio in the mornings just to watch him do what he does. And oftentimes he would let me put the headset on and say three words. I mean, well, what could you say? He was the legend. But Chris was also one that would develop talent. I mean, I could name the gold standard, Alex Gold, just to name at least one. Uh, There's some others whose names is not quite on the tip of my tongue, but it'll come to me after I publish this podcast. But Chris, whenever he did, when he had a co-host, he would let them develop their, he would basically help them develop their talent and they were going to bigger heights. Like I say, Alex Gold, he even had a show on ESPN radio called the gold standard. Uh, Like I said, there's some other names that's not registering with me right now, but eventually they will. So I'm very honored that Chris was able to join me on this episode. 100th episode. Think about that. For me, that's a milestone. And the best is yet to come. Because next year, I might have a co-host. But you'll have to stay tuned to find that out. But until next time, take care of yourself and each other. And once again, Happy New Year.